Well, good morning, church. Man, you guys are alive today. That's great. Hey, it is so great to see so many of you here in the room today. We have a lot of you join us online. Also, great to those of you out there online. Man, today we are wrapping up our series that we've been calling Next. And each week in the series, we've been taking a look at the next steps, some of the most important next steps we can take in our journey with Jesus And some of these steps are the steps that help us move closer to experiencing that filled to the top and overflowing life that Jesus wants for us. And so we've been taking a look at steps like serving and giving and grouping and inviting. And and these aren't the only steps we can take, far from it. They're not the only steps we can take to get closer to Jesus, but they are some of the most important ones. And, And these steps help us move closer to Jesus as individuals, but they also help us as a group of individuals, as a church move closer to Jesus. And they help keep the mission moving forward, and they help keep the kingdom moving forward. But all of these steps that we've been talking about, without the step that we'll mention today, are going to come up short. In fact, those steps and any other step we could take to draw near to Jesus will ultimately come up short without today's step. So what is the step that I'm talking about? What is the one step that makes all the other steps worthwhile? It's surrender. Living a life surrendered to Jesus. And that surrendered life to Jesus means that we give him our all and we go all in with him. Now, all those other steps can and should be a demonstration of a life that's surrendered to Jesus. But through the years, I've learned that that's not always the case. I've learned that it's possible for a person to give some of their time to God, but really not be surrendered to him. I've learned that it's possible for somebody to give some of their money to God and still not be surrendered to him. I've seen that it's even possible for somebody to give a lot of their time and a lot of their money to God and still not be surrendered to Jesus. In fact, it's possible for somebody to be very involved in a small group and inviting their friends and family to join them at church for somebody to really love their church. And that's a good thing. We want you to be able to love your church. We want you to love the church where you are. But... It's possible to love your church and not love the God whom the church serves. Friend, Jesus wants you to experience a filled up, overflowing life. But the only way you'll experience what he wants for you is if you are surrendered to him. And a life of surrender begins with a moment of surrender. And Jesus modeled for us what that moment should look like. His friend Matthew records it in his gospel. Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Now that word baptized is not a very helpful word for us these days. Because it's not even a translation from the Greek. It's what we call a transliteration. Where you take a word from one language and you just plunk it over into a different language. So the word baptize in Greek is baptizo. Oh, now you know what it means. Super helpful, right? Now, so to the Greeks, what that word meant was to plunge, to immerse, to dunk, or to drown. It's the word they would use for dyeing clothing. So if they were to dye a t-shirt, because the Greeks had t-shirts like us, they would take their shirt, or they would take their clothing, and they would plunge that fabric down into the dye, down into this colored water. And when they would pull it up, it would be totally different. It would change that fabric. 
And that fabric, after having been immersed into the dye, would come up looking different. It's the same word that sailors would use when they would talk of defeating an enemy, of sinking an enemy ship. They had baptized it. They had plunged it down to the depths. So that's what that word means. So Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized. But then John, check out what happens next. John tried to talk Jesus out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, John said. So why are you coming to me? Now, isn't it ironic that John, whose nickname some of you might be familiar with, John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, John the Immerser, he'd spent his energy trying to talk Jesus out of getting baptized. Doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And what we see there is that John is a really good guy. But even really good guys can give some bad advice at times. Even people who are really close to God can sometimes give us misleading spiritual advice. John gives Jesus really bad advice about baptism. So good people can give bad advice about all kinds of things. And John gives Jesus bad advice about baptism. Friend, have you ever had someone tell you that you don't need to be baptized? It's really not that big of a deal. It's not that important. Don't worry about it. Doesn't mean a whole lot. Have you ever heard somebody say that? You may have even heard somebody who seems to be in a place of spiritual authority say that. And, you know, there are a lot of people who are well-meaning who give some bad advice. We know that John was a really good guy. He was close to God. Jesus would not have been going to John if John were a spiritual slouch. Jesus would have chosen somebody else. And I've had a lot of people give me spiritual advice throughout the years. And a lot of it's been really good, but sometimes it's not. And I'm guessing you have experienced the same kind of thing. So when I want to find out spiritual direction, when I want to dig in and gain spiritual direction, when I want to gauge the importance of some spiritual decision like baptism, I'll listen to the advice of others, but I'm ultimately going to take my cue from Jesus and what he said. So John says, why are you doing this? Why are you coming to me? Tried to talk him out of it. But Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, we see that picture of immersion again, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus did not have the Holy Spirit before that point. Jesus lived a life empowered and directed and filled with the Holy Spirit. We just see a physical demonstration of it in that moment. But there's another detail that I want us to dig into. It, it seems pretty small. We pass over it pretty easily if we're not careful, as often can happen when we read through the Bible. There's details that seem slight and insignificant, but actually are pretty big. So we read just a moment ago that Jesus left Galilee and went down to the Jordan to be baptized. And you might be thinking, okay, so he walked out of town and went to the nearby river. Not quite. That was a 60-mile journey. So for you and I, if we were to take that same kind of journey, that would be us leaving this church and walking on foot over to the Capitol building in Frankfurt. It's about 60 miles. That's a bit of a trek. That's going to take us a while to do that. And Jesus walked that, not on paved roads and not riding on a donkey. He walked that, 60 miles, in sandals. And we're not talking like Chacos or Keens here. We're talking first century Israelite sandals through nasty roads, through un 
chartered territory through this area. That, I mean, it was just rocky and craggy and dusty and dirty. And it was highly inconvenient for him. So why did he do it? Because he knew it was that important. Jesus made that trek because the importance overshadowed the inconvenience. Jesus took all those steps, step after step after step after step, for 60 miles because he knew his best next spiritual step was to be baptized by John in the Jordan. So Jesus did that not because he needed to be baptized the way we do, but because we needed to see him model it for us. That's how Jesus lived his life. Jesus came into this world for us. Jesus lived sinlessly for us. Jesus was crucified for us. Jesus resurrected for us. And Jesus was baptized, guess for who? For us. But he did not just model it for us. Jesus' baptism came at the beginning of his ministry. But at the end of his ministry came his command. Matthew records towards the end of that same gospel, Jesus' words. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So Jesus gave us this command. For centuries, theologians and scholars and academicians have argued and debated and wrestled with the importance of baptism. Is it essential? Is it important? What happens there? They've tried to figure out just exactly what happens. So let me sum up all that debate with this. There is something mysterious and beautiful and divine that happens in us and to us at baptism. Beyond what I think we can fully comprehend God is up to something in that moment where all the beauty and the majesty of the divine intersects with all the ordinariness of this world, where God takes all of our ordinariness and does something extraordinary with it. And we might not fully comprehend all that happens there in that moment, but it's a deeply significant spiritual moment. And from all I can see in the Bible, it seems pretty important that we follow Jesus. And following Jesus means we obey Jesus. And obeying Jesus means we do what he says. So if Jesus says to be baptized and then make it a regular practice for us to baptize other people as we help them draw closer to Jesus, then I just want to be obedient. But I hate to even say it that way. Because talking of it in just terms of obedience steals the beauty from the moment. It it seems to cheapen the experience of what it actually is. It, It seems to minimize it and kind of miss the point. See, baptism is not just a rule to be followed, a box to be checked off. It's an invitation. It's an invite to be accepted. It's an experience to be enjoyed and appreciated and celebrated. It's this beautiful moment, an opportunity to be embraced. Think of baptism not so much as a have-to kind of thing, but as a get-to privilege. Something we get to do to draw near to God. It's an opportunity to define the most significant and the most important decision we will ever make when we go all in with Jesus and surrender to him. Not long after Jesus had been crucified and then resurrected and ascended to heaven, 
there was a large gathering in Jerusalem, and Jesus' followers were there with thousands of other Jewish people. And Jesus' friend Peter stood up amongst that crowd and preached a sermon to him. And it was a pretty tough sermon for someone to hear. He told them, this Jesus whom you have crucified, and he pointed the finger at them, this guy who you put to death, he is both Lord and Savior, and you've crucified him. His blood is on your hands. Guilt is upon you. And so this crowd heard this message, and they realized it was true. And, and they were faced with the reality that they had this sin on their hands. So they said, well, well what do we do? How, how do we make up for this? Hey, how do we cleanse ourselves of this sin? What must we do to be saved? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Now that word repent, that, that just means we're going in one spiritual direction, we turn around and we go the other spiritual direction. We're moving away from God, we gotta turn and move toward God. Hey, it's like if you're trying to head to Nashville, but you're going north on 65 towards Indy, you gotta turn that thing around and get in the southbound lane. You're going the wrong way. And that's what repentance means, turning around and move towards God. And so, so you gotta do that and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what happened next after Peter gave them that response? 3,000 people who heard that message responded right then, right there, with immediate obedience. They heard the teaching of Jesus. They knew that they needed that. They were moved by it. And so they responded in obedience, and they were baptized right then. Sometimes you might think the preacher here gets a little long-winded and you know, the service goes a little late. Imagine 3,000 baptisms. That's a long day at church. But what an awesome day at church that would be. What a beautiful thing. What an incredible moment for them. As these people responded in faith immediately. No hesitation. No hem-hawing around. Organic, unplanned, in the moment, on the spot, with complete obedience. They heard, they believed, they obeyed. They were baptized right then and right there. You know, a lot of times in our culture, we schedule things. Shoot, we schedule just about everything, don't we? I mean, well, I can schedule my emails. I schedule my haircuts. Those go a lot faster these days. I schedule, you should not laugh at that. Man, you guys are mean. I schedule my car maintenance, my health appointments, my meals, anything. Man, I, it, it all goes on my schedule. But there's something beautiful and something encouraging, something so authentic and so important about a real-time, in-the-moment response to Jesus. When we discover that he desires something from us and we respond right then, right there to what he's asking from us. You know, I've had a lot of great moments over the last couple years in my time here at OCC. But a few of them rise to the surface. And this year, Easter was one of those moments for me. Maybe because Easter last year was COVID and we didn't get to meet here. So this is my first and only Easter with people in the room this year. And it was a great day. It was a beautiful day. And on that day, we taught about Jesus like we always do. And then we gave an invitation for people to respond right then, right there in the moment with obedience and be baptized. And several people came forward and it was an awesome moment. It was a beautiful moment. They got baptized right then, right there. Many of them came that day, not even having that on the radar, not knowing at all that they would be leaving that day having made that decision. And friend, I want to invite you 
to participate in a similar experience today. Now, you might be thinking, hold on, time out, Fitz. I'm, I'm not sure about that because I don't know if I know enough about Jesus. I don't know if I have all my spiritual questions answered. I, I don't know if I've learned enough to be baptized. Well, how much do you think all the people in that crowd who heard Peter preach that day, how much do you think they knew? Well, they knew their life had been marred by sin. They knew they needed a savior because they couldn't fix their sin problem on their own. They knew the direction they were leading themselves spiritually wasn't quite right and they needed a better leader and they trusted that Jesus was the one for all of that. That's what they knew. And they responded right then, right there. From what we see in scripture is that baptism is the starting line, not the finish line. It's the beginning of the journey, not the end. I was baptized about two and a half decades ago. And I didn't know much then. And the time since then, I've learned a whole lot more about that decision I made and about the God whom I follow. And all I knew then was that I was a punk and my punkish ways weren't gonna get me to any place good. And I needed a savior and I needed somebody to lead me and I needed Jesus. Now, in the years since then, I've learned a whole lot more about that and it's become a whole lot deeper truth to me. But I'll be honest with you. I still have doubts. I still have fears. I still have questions. I still have uncertainties. I still have insecurities. I still have a whole lot of mystery in the faith. But what I've seen again and again is that Jesus proves himself over and over and over and over again. And I've seen that, I've experienced that in my life and in the lives of countless other people who I've seen go all in with Jesus. That we might not ever have all of our questions answered, but Jesus continues to prove himself as Savior and Lord. So friend, baptism is that turning point that can turn a life around. It's that moment of surrender that leads to a surrendered life, that leads to a life full of joy and peace. It doesn't mean all the pain and the heartache go away. It just means there's joy and peace that come in and tend to overshadow it. And so if you want to follow Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, and all you know is that you have sin and you know you need him to save you, that you are willing to let him lead you, then guess what? You're ready. You know all you need to know to be baptized and begin that journey with Jesus. So I wonder, what should you do today? Do you need a more convenient baptism? Do you need a more convenient kind of faith? Or do you need a more immediate response? How good would it be for so many of us to respond with obedience immediately? How good would it be for so many of us to reset the spiritual speedometer on the dashboard of our life to respond in such a way that as soon as we know that Jesus desires something for us, we say, yes, I'll obey, I'm in, I'll follow. So for some of you, many of you, who you made that decision to link up your life with Jesus long ago and you entered through the, the baptistry waters, let me ask, are you still surrendering to Jesus? Are you still living a life immersed in Jesus? All those things that we've already looked at in this series, things like serving and inviting and grouping and giving, does your life demonstrate in those areas and other areas that you are still surrendered and immersed into Jesus?
fully and completely and joyfully. Now, for some of you, you're not there because you've not yet taken that first step of faith. And so I hope that today will be your day. I hope that right now, right here, is the day you do it. You know, I love the story of the Jesus follower, Philip, who encountered this Ethiopian official out in the desert. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 8. There's this Ethiopian official whose life, on first glance, might appear pretty good because he's a high-ranking official to the queen of his country. But there were problems that came with that. To, To be in the spot he was in meant that to protect the queen and protect her maidservants, he was castrated and he was a eunuch. And in that culture, that meant that there was no hope of a wife or of a family, of kids, of a family legacy. He was quite literally married to his job. In fact, if he were to lose that position in the queen's, uh, as an official to the queen, then what would happen is he wouldn't have many other options for him. In that culture, he would be shunned. There was really no other place for him except in that spot. And we see in this story that he had taken an interest in the Jewish religion. He had actually traveled all the way up to Israel to go to the temple. But because he was a foreigner and because he was a eunuch, he had all these limitations. He could not fully participate in the religion. He could not fully engage relationally. And he could not fully participate ritually. So here he is on his way home from this likely disappointing spiritual experience. And he's traveling through the desert, quite literally through the desert. But I think there's a metaphor going on in this guy's life. Lifeless and barren. And so here he is. And Philip, a Jesus follower, sees him, encounters him, and Philip approaches him. And we're told that Philip shares the good news about Jesus with him. I love that. Friend, do you know the good news of Jesus? The the good news of Jesus is that Jesus loves you just as you are, exactly as you are. Jesus wired you up to be you with all your idiosyncrasies and your uncertainties and all the, the quirks and the parts of you that you're like, oh, that's kind of the weird part of who I am. But then all the joy and the beauty, all your gifts, your talents, your skills, your abilities. Jesus is the one who, who wired you and formed you like that for that. But we all know. We, we've had sin that has distorted that in us. So the good news is that Jesus loves you as you are, but he loves you way too much to let you stay that way, to allow sin to continue to distort you. And so Jesus loves you so much that he wants to bring healing to your hurting and hope to your despair, freedom to your addiction, joy to your sadness and comfort to your grief, peace to your chaos. He wants to bring purpose and meaning to your life and freedom for your sin. And the really good news is that he has done everything that needs done for you to experience all of that and more. Unlike any other religion in this world where all the other religions tell us that it's all about what we do, how we have to do something to get close to God. Jesus came close to us. God already did it all for us. What he did on that cross to forgive us of our sins, when he stepped out of that grave and conquered death and Satan and sin to give us new life and purpose in his kingdom. 
All we have to do is take hold of that. And essentially, that's what baptism is. It's us taking hold of the gift of this new kingdom life with Jesus. It's us entering in to say, I'm, I'm going in. I'm, I'm, I'm unwrapping the gift. That's what that moment is for us. And so here is Philip sharing this with this Ethiopian who's invited him into his chariot. And then as they rode along, they came to some water. Don't you love how God will provide exactly what we need, exactly where we need it? Even in the midst of a desert, there's water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And that's a great question because the answer is there's no reason for you not to be. If you know that you need a savior and you are willing to trust Jesus as your leader, then you should be. And that was true for him and that's true for you. So he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip immersed him there. I love that story. What a beautiful picture of immediate obedience. But friend, I don't know what desert situation you're in today. I don't know what kind of desert you're facing. If there's some opponent, some obstacle, some spiritual inconvenience that feels like a 60-mile journey in sandals. I don't know if... There's an inconvenience where you're afraid of water or you're afraid of crowds. You have those fears. Or if you're simply afraid that maybe the addiction will still linger or the hurt will still be there. The insecurities, the doubts might continue. I'll tell you this. The water's not magic. It doesn't wash all of that away. It doesn't just immediately wash away pain or wash away doubt. But it does do this. In that moment, as we confess that Jesus is Savior and Lord, our sin is washed away. And we enter into a new free life with him. And peace and joy and grace and forgiveness and mercy and love come flooding in in a way that's just beyond describable. And it doesn't mean that life is immediately easier but it means that we have an eternal life that we look forward to. You know, Jesus walked 60 miles from Galilee to the Jordan. A terribly inconvenient trek for him because the importance of that moment overshadowed the inconvenience of that moment. And I know this to be true, that the joy of that moment overshadowed all the pain of the journey to that point. That was true of that trek for Jesus, but that's been true For me, that's been my experience, and that's been the experience of so many others, that the joy of that moment overshadows all the pain of the journey of life leading up to it. Friend, it's worth it. So I want to encourage you to go all in with Jesus today. Why wait? You know what you need. You know you don't have to go looking in a desert for water. There's water right there. It's right there. Why would we wait? Well, there's no need. And so if you know that you have sin and you know you need a savior and you are willing to trust Jesus, then guess what? You are ready to be baptized. You know all you need to know. And we know that every great journey, every great turnaround begins with a single moment of surrender. And I hope today is your day, that day for you. Now throughout this series, we have challenged you to go all in and to express immediate obedience when you come face to face with what Jesus wants for you, that you would respond with a simple yes, I'll do it. 
And each week we have seen dozens of you respond throughout this series. Responded by getting in groups and inviting other people to join you here. We've seen you respond with a bold yes to declare that you will serve and that you will give. You'll give of your time. You'll give your talents. You'll give even of your money to the kingdom cause. And I want to invite you I want to give you another opportunity to practice that same kind of obedience today with baptism. So in a moment, I'm going to step into the water and I invite you to join me there. And if you have never made that decision to go all in with Jesus, today is your day. And maybe you've been coming for a while and you've been doing this Jesus thing, but you've never really taken him at his word to be fully immersed by baptism and go all in. And I pray today you'll do that. I hope today, without hesitation, without planning, in real time, in the moment, obedience, that you'll join me in that water. And maybe you came today not planning to be baptized, but here's a really great thing. We've been planning it for you. We have everything you need. The baptistry is newly painted, and it's taken care of, and it's clean, and the water's clean, the water's warm, and you can get in in your street clothes if you want, but listen, we've got clothes here to change into. We've got shorts, and we've got undergarments. kind of weird we have them. Okay. We have a brand new shirt that you can wear or take home. We're not going to let any wardrobe malfunctions happen there. We'll, we'll take care of that for you. We've got, we literally have you covered. We've got everything you need. We, we have strong, tough people who will guard your stuff in private changing rooms that you can use during the time. You don't have to worry about anybody taking your stuff. We have hair dryers for your wet hair afterwards. We have clean towels. We've been stealing them from local hotels for months now in preparation for today. Not really, I don't think. We have everything you need. Our children's ministry volunteers are willing to bring your kids over so they can see or they'll hold on to your kids there and you pick your kids up later after the service or next week, whenever it's convenient for you. You just leave them free babysitting for a while. It's our gift to you. We have this, we'll have pictures and videos for you. And we'll make it available for you to show friends and family who can't be with you today. But we're online right now. And so you can just make a phone call, shoot a text and say, hey, I'm about to make the biggest, most important decision in my life. Jump on live at oklahomacc.org and watch as this takes place. And for those of you who are online, listen, this is such an important decision. If you're watching us online and you know you need to make this decision, you just jump on and let the host know I'm on my way. And you drive in, we'll wait. You let us know, we'll wait because we're here for you. And maybe you're not able to drive in to us. Let us know, we'll come to you. We'll arrange it all and we'll come to you. Friend, it's that important. So in just a moment, I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna watch a video. Video of my buddy John, who earlier this year came here one Sunday, not expecting to be baptized. But he showed up and he heard the teaching and he heard about baptism and said, I've been waiting way too long. Today's the day. Why wait? Let's go. Let's do it. And his story is compelling and his story is inspiring. And I hope it inspires you that if you have never taken the plunge with Jesus, that today you would go all in with him. So after I pray and then we watch John's video, I'm going to be in that water. And I invite you to join me there. And if you're ready for that, you can just walk right down here. I think my buddy Mark will be standing up here in this corner of the room. You come up here and you just let him know I'm ready and we'll take care of you from there. And friend, I hope you are inspired by John's story. I hope it's compelling for you. And I hope your response is like his 
and like that Ethiopian official. And I hope today for you, if you've never taken that moment, that you would say, today's the day, there's the water, why wait? Church, let's go all in with Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God of grace and forgiveness and mercy. And we thank you that you give us such such an incredible way to jump all in with you. In a way where all the extraordinariness of heaven comes in and meets with all the ordinariness of this world. And while we might not fully comprehend everything that happens in that moment, we certainly get the picture of putting the old self to death and coming up in a newness of life. And God, I pray for all those here, all those who are part of this church who've already made that decision, that every day we would continue to live out that decision, that it wouldn't just stand as a moment in time, but it would define the whole of our lives, that we would live surrendered to you, immersed in you, Jesus. And God, for any who are here today who've never taken that step, God, I pray that right now you would give them the courage, Holy Spirit, that you would remove any barriers, that you'd give them the courage to overcome the inconvenience, and they would make that decision today, declaring that you are Lord, that you are Savior, that you are leader in their life. And God, we pray this, that you would have all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, because you and you alone are deserving of that. And that we as your children would simply live in the joy of what it is to be your kids forever. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. My name's John. Uh, I've been coming to OCC now for uh, four or five months. I'm a father of a wonderful little girl, 12-year-old daughter, Lily. Well, we've been coming coming to church here for for a little while and uh, saw the starting point class online and uh, signed up for that. It was a good experience. I really enjoyed sitting down and talking to Jonathan. I have a have a sister that lives in Kansas, and uh, she's always been kind of my go-to for any God questions or religion questions, church questions, and uh, she's always been a very good resource, and she's, she never gave up on her brother, which I'm very fortunate for, but, um, you know, over the course of the last 20 years, she's worked on me hard to try to get me to get me to, to find to find Jesus, and uh, Lily and I were coming back from a trip to Kansas where we went to go visit for just a few days. And Lily asked me a question. We were talking about Revelation. I didn't have the answer. I said, you know, you're gonna have to, we're gonna have to run that by, by your Aunt Jess. And uh, I just got to thinking, I'm like, you know, I, I should have these answers. I need to be a, be a good parent to her. And part of that is, you know, incorporating God into her life. She had, wasn't getting it anywhere else other than, you know, those visits a couple times a year with my sister. And uh, a few days after we came back from Kansas, you know, we started coming to church. And I don't know that we've missed since, you know, short of visiting family you know, once or twice. Um, it uh, started out, you know, she was attending the adult class or the adult church with me. And she was really enjoying it. Uh, since then, it started in the middle school, you know, in the middle school program and really likes that. Went to camp and making friends. Uh, very rewarding to see as a parent uh, and to see... You know, her starting to come around and starting to recognize God in her life. Uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. And, uh, but the, she's what, she's what really brought me here because I knew that, you know, it's hard enough to be a parent, you know, by yourself. I've been praying about getting baptized for a while. It's something that had been on my mind and 
I wasn't sure, but it was something I really needed. And uh, once we, once I talked to Jonathan, I, I, I knew that it, that it was time, that it was time to, you know, totally give myself to Christ. Um, so we, I ended up that day um, after the class, got baptized right after the service. You know, I'm really glad that I, I found OCC and uh, and started coming and you know got baptized. I've, I've grown a lot in my relationship with Christ. Um, I know I have a long way to go, but I, I feel like I'm so much farther than I've ever been. It's amazing, just the the uh, the relationship now. Um, you know, I, I talk to God all day, every day, and it's it's incredible, um, that relationship, and that, to feel that love, and just uh, to have that help on, on, on your side is, is pretty nice. It seems like my growth is only limited by, by me, and uh, I'm really, really growing a lot here in Christ, and I really, you know, it's really changing my life in, in a lot of positive ways. Uh, you know, it took me a while. It took me a long time to come around and to get me to church and to finally, you know, to finally start that relationship, and I'm so glad I did. You know, I, I wish I wouldn't have waited so long.